Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined this week by Jalal Bonwa in Morocco and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we talk about football in North Africa, with Morocco having a new coach in Vahid Halihodzic, replacing the Frenchman Hervé Renard. And the African Games are underway in Morocco with the men's and women's under-20 tournaments. Also, we have the story of Cherno Samba, who's from the Gambia, and as a teenager had a bright future when he was set to join Liverpool. But when the transfer fell through, Samba battled with depression and he attempted suicide. I was hurt. I was isolated. I was I was bitter, you know. I was so bitter because I kept constantly thinking about the deal that didn't happen at Liverpool. Amazing interview coming up later on. And in the English Premier League, is the video assistant referee working? There's a difference of opinion here. Some saying that it's too much interference. Others saying that it is absolutely necessary these days. So that's all coming up on the show. Uh, This week in African football, very sad to hear of the death of Ghana striker Junior Agogo. He made a great impact when Ghana hosted the Africa Cup of Nations in 2008. Agogo was only 40 years old. He'd suffered a stroke four years ago. Other news, Alan Jures has parted ways with Tunisia despite taking them to the semi-finals of this year's Nations Cup. Now 13 of the 24 coaches who went to Egypt are no longer with their teams. And at club level, Egyptian giants Al-Ahli sacked their coach Martin Lassart a day after being knocked out of the Egypt Cup by pyramids in the last 16. Lassart, who's from Uruguay, was sacked despite guiding Al-Ahli to this year's Egyptian Premier League title with a game to spare. And a busy weekend, we have the second legs of the preliminary round games in the CAF Confederation Cup and in the Champions League. Now, Ida is away, and this week we have a guest analyst, Jalal Bonoir, who's in Casablanca in Morocco. A lot's happening there in Morocco, Jalal. Let's start with the new national team coach, Vahid Halihodzic. He's replaced the Frenchman Hervé Renard. Halihodzic is from Bosnia. He's best known in African football for taking Algeria to the round of 16 at the 2014 World Cup. But he's been set very high targets to qualify for the World Cup to get to the semi-finals of the next Nations Cup and to win it in 2023. Can he succeed? For me, he can succeed because he has huge international experience and he knows African football very well since he coached Ivory Coast and also Algeria. So at least better than the French Laurent Blanc, uh, who was the other choice. And the Frenchman has no experience in Africa as Hali Luzic. So I think he can succeed if uh, the Federation provides him with all what he needs to, uh, to coach the national team. Right, so we'll see how Vahid Halihazic does with Morocco. And the African Games are on there in Morocco, Jalal. This uh, formerly known as the All-Africa Games, Africa's biggest multi-sports event. And the start of the football tournament was cause for concern, wasn't it? So we have seen some problems at the beginning of the competition when uh, South Africa uh, national team arrived very late. The same with Zambia, who has announced their withdrawal from the women's events. So it's the first time in the history of the Games that the national teams under 20 take place in the football tournaments instead of under 23. For men's football, there are two groups. 
Group A, Morocco, South Africa, Burkina Faso and Nigeria, where the South Africans are the first team to crash out with no points after two matches. In Group B, Mali, Burundi, Ghana and Senegal compete for the two tickets to the semi-final. Concerning the women's uh, football events, in Group A, we have Morocco, Algeria, Equatorial Guinea and Mali, with host Morocco already qualified to the semi-final with two victories. In Group B, we find Nigeria, Cameroon, South Africa and also uh, Zambia. We'll be following the football tournaments there at the African Games. And finally, Jalal in Egypt, a Serbian militant Micho Sredrovic was confirmed as coach of Egypt's Zamalek a day after leaving Orlando Pirates of South Africa. Micho is well known around Africa and much loved. He's a coach of the Uganda national team among his many assignments on the continent. Uh, but Micho becomes Zamalek's 25th coach since Mortada Mansour took over as Zamalek president in 2014. That's 25 coaches in five years. So any chance of him lasting long in the job at Zamalek? To be honest with you, I was surprised when I heard this piece of news. Coach Mitchell had already received an offer to join with that Casablanca, but he politely rejected this offer because, as he said, he still has a one-year contract with Orlando, and he respects the president of the club and also the fans of the club. But for sure, things weren't good with him in South Africa. He joined Zamalek on a one-year contract, which is, for me, doesn't make sense. One year is not enough to, to produce in, 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 in football. And as you said, he is the 25th coach since Murtada Mansour was elected as president. So therefore, he won't, I think he won't last for long and we have to remember what Murtada did last year when he sacked head coach Christian Grass, who brought the Confederation Cup for the team based in Cairo. Yes, a Christian Gross parting ways with Zamalek, even though he won the Confederation Cup with them last year. Surely it will be difficult for Micho in the post. Thanks a lot to Jalal Bonoir in Morocco. Now to our interview with Cherno Samba, who's from the Gambia and as a teenager had a bright future when he was set to join Liverpool. But when the transfer fell through, Samba battled with depression and he attempted suicide. Samba went on to play in the lower leagues of English football and in Spain, Finland and Norway. He also became one of the world's best virtual footballers in the video game Championship Manager. He's now 34 and retired from football. And Mamadou Ba spoke to Samba when he was in the Gambia recently and found out more about his story. I was born here in Gambia and left here at the age of six. When I went to England, um, well, I got scouted playing for my, my school football team. And there was a gentleman called Harry Gerber who spotted me and said, that number 10 was his name. So they've told him, and then he said, this guy can play at the highest level. So from then on, I went on and um, played for Mottenham Youth, which was a Sunday league. And then I got scouted by Millwall. Now, it was Millwall, West Ham and Charlton, but we decided to stay with Millwall because Millwall was closer to my house. So I went there and I was just banging goals left, right and centre. At the age of 13, I was scoring 132 goals in 32 games, where Michael Owen had the record for schoolboy record, but then I took it off him. And till today, it's not been broken yet, so uh, which is nice, you know. Um, so after that, I got uh, I've got picked for England. I was 14, 15, playing a year above my age. 
um, with the likes of Darren Bent, Glenn Johnson, David Bentley and all those players. My, my second game against Wales, I scored a goal, got man of the match and we won 3-1. So that's when all the attention came. So it was Liverpool, Manchester United, Leeds at the time and Arsenal. So I went to Liverpool first and um, the, 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 the interest and the love they showed me was on beyond belief. Um, I remember Joe Hulliard asking me who was my favourite player. So I said to him it was Michael Owen at the time. So after my first um, training with, 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 with Liverpool, I went back and then I had to go to Manchester, Man United, went to Leeds and Arsenal. Then Michael phoned me and said, look, you'll be, you'll be very well looked after and stuff. And that turned my head and I couldn't let Michael down, do you know what I mean? So, but having said that, it was just the love that they showed me. They showed, even though I'm a Manchester United fan, you know, I decided to go with Liverpool because of the love and the, 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 the care they showed me. But then, unfortunately, um, Mill wanted £2 million, where Liverpool said um, they would stay with 1.5. And then Mill said, well, no, they want um, £2 million. So Liverpool said, all right, fine, no problem. We'll give £2 million. But then the price just kept going up, just going up. So obviously, the deal was off. The deal was off. And um, bear in mind, at this time, both clubs knew my mum and dad knew, my agent knew, except me. So after two weeks back and forth negotiations, my dad called me down from the kitchen and I came down and he just said to me, look, I don't know if you've realised your mum's not the best at the moment. And I said, yeah, I don't know what's wrong with her, why she's like this. He said, well, the deal's off, you're not going to Liverpool. And I just, that crushed my world, man. I was devastated. I was, um, I remember just dropping on the kitchen floor, just crying like a little boy. Um, but something certain things happened while I was on that floor crying the first thing that came to my head was I don't want nothing to do with football I don't want to play football for the rest of my life I just want to enjoy football with my mates playing in a park and mess about I was only 15 but something crazy came to my mind which was if I was to stay in football all I cared about was by the time I finish my football career I want to make sure I'm financially stable for myself and my family yeah so um you know, for me, I don't think I recovered after that. Talk us through those difficult moments in your life. Yeah, it was it was very difficult because what what, what happened is after when that happened, um, I stopped playing football for six months. And um, in the end, the chairman came to my house and we sat down and we just said, "Look, fine, I'll come back." So I was guaranteed um, professional contract at the age of 17, because in England you can't sign a professional contract until you're 17. So um, I was only 15, 16. So when I became 17, I signed a three-year uh, contract. And then at the age of 19, um, my contract came up and then I went to Spain. Now, at Spain, I was getting paid very well, very, very well. You've got a house looking over the beach. The weather's nice in Spain. The food is nice in Spain. The football is beautiful. What more do you want? But I was isolated. I was hurt. I was isolated. I was, I was bitter. You know, I was so bitter because I kept constantly thinking about the deal that didn't happen at Liverpool. And I was having nightmares. I was sweating at night. I was having nightmares. I was dreaming. I failed in my own country in England and I had to be shipped out to Spain. So that was constant in my mind. So it was a difficult moment. But then, then what happened was to put me to sleep, I used to take tablets from, um, from the physio room. And then one day I overdosed myself and normally a friend of mine would come and call me and I'll come downstairs and then we'll go training. But on this particular time he came, he called my phone and no one answered the phone. They said, well, this is not normal because Cherno is very professional. He's always the first one to actually come down and wait for me. So um, he came upstairs 
and um knocked on the door and no one answered so we just brought the door in and um i was lying there so the paramedics came how did you deal with depression so so before that incident happened nobody knew what was what i was going through I, i wouldn't talk to anybody you know i was afraid to speak because i felt if i spoke i would look upon as i'm weak well i think i was weak for not speaking out you understand what i mean because these little things you need to talk to someone you just need to if your girlfriend your wife your mom your dad your your dog whoever it is you just need to speak to someone so what i used to do i used to bottle a lot of things in you know i couldn't sleep at night and i was bottling a lot of things in so which is a wrong thing to do so my thing is anybody that's just talk to anyone just just your friend just just have, just just talk to someone because they can help let's talk about your success in the championship um championship manager game mm-hmm. at a young age chano samba the name chano was renowned the whole the world all, all over how did you manage that success it is it, it was a funny one because um i think some of the reason why as well it has a little bit of impact on me because the pressure was so much on me you know bear in mind at 15 hours tipped to win the world cup for england in 2006 that's a big pressure <laughs> you understand so with that championship manager you know i was constantly looking at the stats to produce my form so when i'm playing the game and stuff i always knew i had to burst and do certain things so i was always making sure that i was remembering that my stats said this so i've got to always deliver it and now i'm actually doing some work with them so who would have thought that you know what i mean yeah Les Cherno Samba who's from the Gambia and as a teenager he was set to join Liverpool and when that transfer fell through as we heard he had to battle with depression and in that last part of the interview talking about uh, the championship manager video game which he became world renowned at speaking there to Mamadou Ba and uh, Samba has a book out which is called Still in the Game Well, Stuart Weir joins us from the UK and uh, Stuart depression is a real issue for footballers isn't it Well, Steve, depression and mental illness have always been an issue, but people have been afraid to admit it. Football clubs have tended to be macho male environments where everyone is competing to be in the starting lineup, and at times any admission of depression or mental weakness would be seen as uh, an indication that the player was not up to the demands of professional football. So people tended to keep quiet about it. So I think it's a very positive thing. that people are now being encouraged to talk about issues like this. In England, the Professional Footballers Association, the PFA, has set up a dedicated service to help with members' well-being. And in 2017, 60% of the calls to the PFA helpline concerned mental issues. And also the UK government has asked all elite sports to have a clear mental health strategy by 2024. So I think that's all good. One of the really sad cases was in 2009 when the German international goalkeeper Robert Enke took his own life. He had previously explained to a teammate, depression kills all positive feelings. Suddenly everything strikes you as hopeless, pointless. Throughout his career, Enke, playing at the absolute top level, lived in fear that he would disappoint people. He felt unable to deal with people's expectations of him. And Enka said that football turned you into someone who always wants more, who's never content. And funny enough, that actually just reminded me of the words of St Paul in the Bible. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Written 2000 years ago, perhaps his words still seem relevant.
Yes, having contentment, whatever the circumstances, is a great thing. Uh, now, Stuart, realistically, disappointment is something that many teenage footballers will face, as uh, only a few players will go on to realise their dreams. Well, when a boy is signed for a Premier League club academy, it must seem like a dream come true. Yet the statistics make it seem more like a nightmare. Big clubs probably sign at least 10, 15, 20 boys per year, often as young as eight. But in terms of the hundreds of boys who go through the system, perhaps one in a hundred will actually make it. I had a quick look at the top six clubs. Um, Sorry, Steve, I took that on last year's big six, so I didn't include fourth place Brighton. And I was looking at how many of their current first-team squad are boys who've come up through the system? Well, Manchester United is a success story. Marcus Riceford, Jesse Lingard, Scott McTominay, Mason Greenwood and Axel Twanzebe. Tottenham have Danny Rose, Harry Kane and Harry Winks. Liverpool, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Arsenal have Ainsley Maitland-Niles and Joe Wilcox. Manchester City, Phil Foden. And Chelsea, Callum Hudson-Odoi, Tammy Abrahams, Mason Mount, Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Now that's 16 first-team squad players, but of course only about six of those are playing regularly. And think about Trent Alexander-Arnold at Liverpool. Imagine how many boys have gone through Liverpool's academy year by year, but only Trent has made it into the first team. Similarly, Manchester City. Phil Foden is a great example, but he's actually only ever had three starts for Manchester City. It just shows you how difficult it is to fulfil the dream of getting into the first team of one of the top Premier League clubs, despite all the promises you've had over years in the academy. Yes, very true. So Cherno Samba is just one of many who failed to make it at a big club and then is confronted by disappointment. Thanks, Stuart. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programmes too in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can also listen on our New Look website. That's planetsport.tv. Our other shows are there too. That's Planet Sport and the Planet Sport Rugby podcast, plus interviews with various sports stars such as Ghana's Christian Achu and Brazil legend Kaká. That's on our New Look website, planetsport.tv. Well, now we turn to social media. And last week we asked, uh, how do you think Chelsea will do in the English Premier League this season? A bad start for new manager Frank Lampard, losing 4-0 to Manchester United, uh, then playing much better in the UEFA Super Cup, losing on penalties to Liverpool, and then drawing 1-1 with Leicester in the league. So how will Chelsea get on with your comments? Here's Adrian Barnard. Thanks then, Steve. I will turn to WhatsApp and Yusuf Barry in The Gambia who says, Lampard's team is good and I think they will do well. They had a bad start, but we saw a good performance against Liverpool and that shows that the team is really good. But, says Yusuf, I think they should add a central defender and a striker. Noble Botamani in Malawi says, Chelsea will be among the top four this season and Modu Imar Jack in the Gambia is also optimistic. I'm hopeful that they'll put their house in order, says Modu. They just need time to adapt to the new coach's style of play. 
I'm a United fan and the performance Chelsea put in against United in the first 15 minutes and again 10 minutes after the break was exceptional. If they'd scored then, it would have been a different story. Results will soon come, says Modu. Ibrahim Kalapo in The Gambia is a Chelsea fan. It was a fantastic performance against Liverpool, says Ibrahim. I was impressed with the team and I believe Chelsea is going to win the EPL this season. I love my team and I believe in Frank Lampard. Mustafa Toure in Malaysia says, I think they'll give a good challenge to claim a top four spot. Their season will be better if the board shows more support to what Lampard is trying to build in there. And moreover, their performances will be a lot better in the Premier League if they could produce the same resilience that they showed against Liverpool in last week's Super Cup, says Mustafa. And Bizwek Njakwa in Malawi is also positive. Chelsea should not be dismissed just because of the transfer ban and the loss of Aiden Hazard, says Biswek. I feel Chelsea will pull a surprise this season, as they have young talents that want to prove that they are worth the Chelsea jersey. So, don't dismiss Chelsea yet. <laughs> but marvellous Oluwaju Abubakar in Nigeria is not so sure. Judging by their performances so far, says Marvellous, I think they have fantastic players with lots of energy, but they lack that killer instinct in the final third. They need someone who can bang in goals week in, week out. Tammy Abraham still lacks some skill in certain areas, and Giroud cannot be relied upon because he's ageing. We shouldn't expect many things from Chelsea this season, and besides, Lampard needs more time to settle in as coach. And Bighton and Chico in Malawi agrees. Chelsea will not do well this season unless they find a replacement for Hazard. And secondly, they should change their tactics. Last season, they also played that passing football, but it did not help because they were not able to convert that into goals, says Bighton. And we always welcome your voice notes here on Planet Sport Football Africa. And here's Abrima Kante in The Gambia. As a Chelsea fan and a diehard Chelsea fan for that matter, I must congratulate Lampard for the team that he assembled. We all know that it's going to be difficult when Hazard left, but the boys are young. We have very young players now. We have Zuma, we have Christensen, we have Mont Abraham. They are very young and I'm sure they will deliver. And I'm 100% sure that Chelsea will bounce back. So, Abrima Kante there believes Chelsea will bounce back from their early season defeats with the pool of young talent that they have in their squad. And uh, Jimmy James Perezzi in Uganda believes that the Blues will manage to overcome the challenges they face this season. Chelsea will struggle with their young players, obviously, but I feel they will keep in the top six. They will improve, but having faced a transfer ban, letting David Luis go to the Emirates was a huge blow to the club, though it might not seem like a major thing. And uh, those points are also picked up by Sarja B. Conte in The Gambia. I think Chelsea will perform well this season if Pulisic continues his good form, but they will really miss Aidan Hazard and David Luis, says Sarja. And I think that's uh, an important point that Sarja makes there, as Chelsea have now lost their two most experienced players, and with the transfer ban in place, they can't go out and buy any replacements. 
and uh, that's a point echoed by Usman Colley in The Gambia. I think Chelsea will do well to finish in the top four, but they won't win the EPL, and I think letting David Luiz go will impact their defence, says Usman. So, uh, there you are then, Steve. Uh, Plenty of optimism about Chelsea with their young squad and new coach, but the question that's still to be answered is how much will they miss David Luiz, and more especially, Aidan Hazard. Yes, that's a big question and a lot for the youngsters to live up to. Thanks a lot to Adrian and staying in the English Premier League and the video assistant referee, the VAR, was a big talking point on match day two as Manchester City thought they'd beaten Tottenham in stoppage time only for Gabriel Jesus's goal to be ruled out as the ball that came to him came off the arm of Eimerick Laporte. It was a correct application of the rules uh, but for me I must say it's taking some of the excitement out of the game. Another follow following day I went to a Zimbabwe Premier League match and I must say I enjoyed it greatly especially with none of these stoppages uh, as of course we don't have the VAR here in Zimbabwe. Uh, There were some incidents where the technology might have been useful in that game but I really enjoyed watching a game that flowed. Uh, This VAR is going to take some getting used to Stuart. Well so far Steve this new season the reaction to VAR seems to have been more negative than positive. One fan tweeted you know that 30 seconds when you lose your mind when your team has scored an important goal is now a thing of the past, and that's sad. And many people will sympathise with him because the spontaneity of a goal being scored and fans celebrating is disappearing because of the very reasonable reaction we can't celebrate until we're sure that VAR will not rule it out. And of course, the big talking point last weekend was, as you say, Gabriel Jesus' goal being disallowed after the intervention of VAR. And the decision was confounded by many people's view that the current interpretation of handball is simply a nonsense. The ball struck Gabriel Jesus' teammate's arm, Laporte. It was accidental, not intentional, but because the contact with Laporte's arm took the ball in the direction of Jesus, who scored under current interpretation, that is handball. However, had the ball instead made contact with a Tottenham defender's arm and taken away from Jesus and away stopping him from scoring, that would have been deemed to be accidental and no penalty awarded. And it seems a complete nonsense that if a ball hits a forward's arm, that can count as a handball, whereas the same contact with a defender's arm is not handball. Well, it's hugely debatable, very complex with these new laws, also with the VAR now there in the English Premier League. On social media this week, asking what do you think about the VAR in the English Premier League? It's been a huge talking point. No doubt it's getting it right. But are there too many stoppages? Is it affecting the flow of the game? Will fans have to end up having to delay their celebrations, as Stuart mentioned? Or is it all worth it if we are getting the correct decisions? You can give us your thoughts on Facebook. Our page is planned at Sport Football Africa or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. What do you think about the VAR in the English Premier League? Liverpool against Arsenal is the big game of the weekend in the Premier League. That's on Saturday. Uh, Stuart, what else would you say after two rounds of games? Well, Steve, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has had a great start to the season, scoring the winning goal in both Arsenal's games this season. But I know how to stop him scoring. 
the last three goals he scored for Arsenal have all been between the 58th and the 64th minutes. So all you have to do is mark him for those six minutes and not worry about the rest of the game. On a similar note, Everton must wish that football matches lasted only 45 minutes, as they've only conceded one goal in the first half of the last 14 games they played. When Harry Wilson played for Bournemouth last weekend, he became the third Wilson to play for Bournemouth in the past three seasons. And they've also had two Smiths and two Cooks. Certainly makes life easier when it comes to spelling the players' names on the shirts. On the opening day of the season, Tottenham recorded 31 scoring attempts against Aston Villa. Fast forward to their next game against Manchester City and they managed three attempts. What a difference. 31 in one game, three in the next. Uh, I'm sure you've noticed, uh, Steve, that uh, Onan Hernandez, when he played for Norwich City, became the first Cuban ever to play in the Premier League. Finally, a word on loan transfers. Philippe Coutinho has left Barcelona for a year-long loan at Bayern Munich, and there are rumours that Alexis Sanchez may be about to leave Manchester United for an Italian club on a similar loan deal. So why would clubs loan out such good players? Well, partly money. You get the player off your wage bill and you would also expect a loan fee of several millions. And no matter how good the player is, if the manager doesn't see him in the starting lineup, he may prefer not to have that player at the club spreading negative vibes. So that's why it happens. Mm, yes, and uh, Gareth Bale's another expensive player who might be loaned out by Real Madrid given his huge wages. Thanks a lot, Stuart. That's it for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from our guest analyst Jalal Bonoir in Morocco, and from Stuart Weir and Adrian Barnard in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production. <laughs>